0: Welcome into A to Z Sports Primetime on this Wednesday night. I'm your host, Buck Rising, if you're new to the show, and I'm proud as always to be presented to you by TrueMath Fitness in the Gulch. Be back at TrueMath Fitness tomorrow for personal training. Your first workout is free as a Middle Tennessee resident at TrueMath Fitness in the Gulch. And the law offices of Amanda J. Gentry. Wherever justice demands, Amanda J. has you covered. She will go above and beyond her and her legal team are exceptional amandajgentry.com for more information and for constitutional rights protection. So a lot of different things in the show tonight and a lot of things we're talking about. Training camp ended today. So, I mean, well, training camp will end technically after the final preseason game, but they'll have a walkthrough tomorrow. Training camp for all intents and purposes is done. So now uh, as we look at various parts of the roster that maybe we feel better about, after the past, we'll call it two months. Perhaps you feel worse about a certain area uh, with the uh, with the Titans roster than you did back in uh, mid July. We'll we'll focus more on Malik Willis tonight, though, because I just think the Trey Lance thing is such an interesting uh, situation. So here is Matt Mayoko, the NBC Sports Bay Area reporter, kind of detailing the situation around Trey Lance. The question that we're going to ask you is as a part of your Two Rivers Four Take on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. Uh, Whose NFL career, not carrier, but career, has more promise, Malik Willis or Trey Lance? We'll talk about it together. You let me know in the comment section, and we will uh, go through some of your comments. I'll let you know how I feel about it here in just a second, right after I remind you that the Two Rivers Ford take is made possible by, of course, Two Rivers Ford, Coach Dave McGinnis, DeAndre Hopkins, Don Davenport, Ramon Foster, and myself. We're all customers at Two Rivers Ford, just as Middle Tennesseans have been for 40 years. Two Rivers Ford is locally owned, operated with honesty and integrity, quality American-made Ford vehicles, and award-winning customer service. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. So who ends up having the more promise in their NFL career, Willis or Lance. Now you know Malik Willis's situation. Drafted here uh with a third round pick in 2022, was never supposed to have to play in his rookie year. Ryan Tannehill gets hurt, Malik Willis has to get substantial snaps, he has to get starts. He's nowhere close to ready and he he fails. He gets benched. They bring in Josh Dobbs, Willis gets time to kind of recoup, does a lot of work this offseason, comes into training camp, seems to have a pretty I won't say it's—I won't say it's definitive, but seems to have a pretty tenuous grasp on the backup quarterback job. Now you'll hear from Greg Cosell. Willis is far from a finished product, nor is he ready. I think should he have to start or play in meaningful—meaningful uh, meaningful snaps in an NFL game. But I do think that there has been progress made by Malik Willis. Of uh, how much of which we can talk about when we get to the progress report. But who do you think has more promise in their NFL career right now? Willis or Lance? You have Trey Lance. So the Niners give up a tremendous amount of draft capital to go select him third overall in a year where there are five quarterbacks. Now, they could have had Justin Fields. They could have had uh, Mac Jones. Instead, they trade up. They go for upside. They go for potential. They go for a player who's played in less than 60 career games at any level high school, you know, cub, high school, college, or professional. And now Trey Lance, whose best tape or biggest sample size of tape comes in this preseason, is really, really tough to get a read on. He's out there uh, now in San Francisco as the odd man out when the two guys who have won the job over him are the starter, Brock Purdy, literally Mr. Irrelevant, almost on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. From Trey Lance, who was drafted third. Then you have a, a former first round pick in Sam Darnold, who wins the backup position, who's bounced around the league, has had, you know, not m- anything that anybody would consider meaningful success, but still finds a way to beat out Trey Lance, who theoretically should have a much higher draft pedigree. Now, draft pedigree doesn't mean everything, right? Quarterbacks fail all the time, first round picks fail. All the time, so it's not like Trey Lance. I mean, there for every for every uh, what's a good example for every who's a a, a clear and obvious uh, success as a first round pick for every Aaron Rodgers, there's a Josh Rosen, right? Actually, for every Aaron Rodgers, there's probably five or six Josh Rosen's. So I think that's the kind of context that you have to remember. I think that when you look at the quarterback situation right now, though. Malik Willis is probably ahead of where Trey Lance is, but this is the details coming out of San Francisco, courtesy of NBC Sports Bay Area. The news coming out of San Francisco 49ers headquarters on Wednesday
1: really proved to be one of the more shocking developments of recent years. Trey Lance, the number three overall pick in the 2021 draft, no longer appears to have a home here with the 49ers. The club clearly deciding to move on. Sam Darnold won the backup job behind 49ers starting quarterback, Brock Purdy, and so that leaves Trey Lance in complete limbo. The 49ers are exploring all options, and Wednesday on the practice field, Trey Lance wasn't even out there. His teammates didn't know what was going on, and the 49ers have remained largely quiet about what their plans are, but one thing is for certain, Trey Lance is now available in a trade, which, if you remember, just a year ago, he was considered the franchise quarterback, the guy who's going to be the quarterback of the future. Now that position is firmly held by Brock Purdy with Sam Darnold as the number two guy.
0: So uh, it's a pretty crazy trajectory that Trey Lance is on. And listen, uh, the scouting evaluation on a dude from uh, North Dakota State who had played in one college game at that point, had almost no tape at any level of football, being drafted third overall on potential alone. Trippin' Titans correctly points out he's only 23. Now, uh, Kicks Good makes the uh, argument, I think Malik's situation is more comparable to Jordan Love. He needed to sit and learn for a few years. So Love, Love was way more ready than Malik was. Love, even coming out of Utah State, that offense at Utah State was miles ahead in terms of complexity from what it is that Malik Willis was being asked to do. Whether Malik Willis, now, is it closer to Jordan Love than it is Trey Lance? You know, Lance and Love, as first-round picks, Malik Willis falling, you know, considerably out of the first round right going all the way down to the third I don't know honestly the more comparable situations are probably I would I would still say Lance and Willis because in this situation Love always felt like there was going to be an opportunity for him to get on the field eventually like the Aaron Rodgers Expiration date. It was just a matter of time. We all knew that Aaron Rodgers would leave Green Bay at some point, and that Love would be given an opportunity within this rookie contract window. Now, they ultimately ended up giving him like a one-year extension to kind of bleep around and find out, for lack of a better term. We had a pretty good value for uh, for Jordan Love. I would still say that Lance and Willis are more comparable. Now, Lance obviously drafted much higher, drafted with way higher expectations. But also coming out in a developmental way that you felt it might take a little longer to get him off the ground. Now, of course, nobody could foresee the injury situation that robbed Trey Lance of a year. Um, You knew that this was going to be an uphill climb for him, and he just hasn't shown it with any level of consistency thus far in camp or in the preseason. How, uh, How things go for Malik Willis right now is up in the air, right? We think that he's going to win the backup quarterback job here in 2023. We think that it's almost a certainty that he's on a roster. I'm of the position still that I think they end up keeping three when they have to Believe It's Tuesday that they have to get the roster down and submitted by. So from that standpoint, I do think Malik Willis is in a better position than is Trey Lance. I think that their circumstances are a lot closer then you, know, you might be willing to acknowledge or you might realize. A to Z Sports Primetime is presented by the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage. Go to garyashton.com. Get your dream address without the stress with the Ashton Real Estate Group. That's the intel edge you need to succeed. The official real estate agent from the Nashville Predators or for the Nashville Predators is garyashton.com. Uh, Amar says North Dakota State players are trash. Well, you know, I mean, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz has obviously taken a, an appreciable nosedive, uh, but that was something that, I mean, he was an MVP candidate for a good period of a season prior to tearing his ACL. And the fall from grace obviously was, was consequential, but I know you're probably talking in terms of the Titans and Dylan Radins. Um, You know, the, the, the experience hasn't translated well in the last couple of years. Willis was drafted says Houston drone to be a developmental player. To me, that means a minimum of two to three years to see what he can do. I think it's a no-brainer to keep him. I, I agree. I'm not advocating that he should be traded. I don't think there's any, you know, you're not going to get better than a third-round pick from Malik Willis right now. I don't think that, uh, I don't think that in a circumstance, I don't think that in a circumstance for Malik, he has two to three years. Like, I don't think NFL quarterbacks get two to three years anymore. Like, that you don't get to exist that way on valuable at value contract years to just kind of let this thing play out. You got to find ways to win now or they'll find somebody else. I don't think that for, uh, I don't think that for Malik, that means that he should be traded. Like I said, I don't think they would get value for what it is that he would probably be worth to them just to have him on the roster because he's been in their system and, gives them a better chance than not than bringing in some dude off the street to try and play quarterback for them or rolling with Will Levis before it's too early. But I think ultimately that Malik, um, you know, his time may well already be over and we just don't know it yet, right? Or or it's not definitive yet. The Malik-Willis experiment may have already ended just by nature of Will Levis being drafted, but there is still a season to play out and still, uh, you know, a rookie contract that they have him under so they can find ways to try and make this work and slow play it if they want. I don't imagine that they would go multiple years with two quarterbacks or with three quarterbacks on the roster, but of course, you know, Ryan Tannehill is an expiring deal and they will have a difficult decision to make if they don't feel like either of them, Levis or Willis, are close to ready. Uh, James Henderson says Willis hasn't won shit so far. You know, again, it's not that he's won it, right? Like, I think a lot of you were disappointed, and I understand, uh, in Saturday's preseason performance. He wasn't, he was better against the Bears than he was against the Vikings. And I think many of you looked at Saturday night in Minnesota as an opportunity for him to go out and take a job, right? Go out and win the backup quarterback job. And he really didn't do that. In fact, he regressed, I thought, from game to game. And you'll hear from Greg Cosell on that fact here in just a second. Uh, In fact, the question that I want to ask you on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, do you feel better, worse, or the same about Malik Willis from the time that training camp started to now the end, which will officially culminate in preseason Game 3? Now, maybe you want to see preseason Game 3 before you make any determinations. Perhaps you feel you've seen enough. But do you feel better, worse, or the same about Malik Willis through this training camp? Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch uh, is where we will discuss right after I remind you that the primetime show is presented by TrueMath Fitness in the Gulch. I'm going to be at True Math Fitness at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. You can go as well for your first workout free as a Middle Tennessee resident and try their awesome group workout classes yourself. Their boot camp in style, no workout is ever recycled or repeated, so your body continues to improve its physical fitness so you're not plateauing. The way that a lot of us can lull ourselves into when we're just going to the gym on our own. It's easy to repeat the same exercises to get your body in a, at a place of stasis, right? True Mavs workouts are designed to prevent that and to continue to improve your physical fitness. Whether it's personal training, group classes, or just a membership to attend their gym at your own leisure. True Mav Fitness is the best workout in Middle Tennessee. TrueMavFitness.com for your first workout free. So do you feel better, worse, or the same about Malik Willis at the start of camp now that camp is just about over? Uh, let's see. Michael Smith says better, but not enough. Lorenzo McNeil agrees better. Tory Coop says better. Kicks Good says better. So it appears that for the most part, you guys, uh, you guys are trending in the correct direction. Michael Smith says better. Stephen King says Burt. Chase Hill says Says a little worse, honestly. Um, so, if you're judging from preseason game to preseason game, Malik Willis was definitely worse against the Vikings than he was against the Bears. Now, the circumstances were different; it doesn't excuse a poor performance. But I thought that Greg Cosell, we did a, the the latest episode of the install earlier this afternoon, a podcast that Greg and I do every Wednesday uh and i asked greg just for an honest evaluation of four quarters of malik and i think what greg had to say was pretty telling what you ev- what you made of malik willis uh having the opportunity to work through a variety of situations with that full start
2: you know and and in some ways buck it's a perfect example of why The preseason is the preseason and why it's hard to overreact. I mean, obviously, the week before, and I spoke about it, all I do, as you know, is react to what the tape shows. You know, I don't make a judgment as to what a guy's career is going to be, particularly a young player. You know, obviously, the week before, Malik Willis clearly looked much more comfortable as a player um, just in everything he did. This week, he did not. Now, again, this is not going to be a judgment about what Malik Willis is going to be, you know, next week, the week after, or five years down the road. But this particular week, he did not look comfortable. He did not see things clearly. He turned down a number of throws that were there. Those were the throws to make based on the route concept versus the coverage. And he turned those throws down. He did not throw the ball when— He he had to make those throws. Um, And then there were also some inaccurate throws. I mean, we, we, I'm sure we, you know, Titans fans all remember that uh, shot play on the third possession play action boot. It was a, a post deep over combination and he had Westbrook Ahini wide open on the over route. He had unnecessary movement, which made him hurry himself and be late. And he ended up throwing the ball at Westbrook Kahini's feet. Those are throws you cannot miss. You don't get those kinds of opportunities that often for a big play. So, you know, this was just a game where you could tell he just, for whatever reason, he did not see things clearly. I could tell by looking at his head that he just was not looking in the right place a lot. Uh, You know, again, as I always say, I I never know the reason. He'd have to tell you, and he's not going to, nor is nor is the coach, nor should they. But it just he was not a comfortable player in this particular game.
0: Yeah, and we talked about that last week, Greg, where where we 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 saw signs of of improvement. So we go on at some length, and there's a lot of discussion about Willis. We also talked about Tajay Spears. That's obviously going to be a much more positive review. Um. You know, the Malik deal, it did clearly break down for him a lot more often against Minnesota. Why that's the case, I wish we could learn more about. Now, Vrabel, I think, was pretty transparent about not liking the decision-making in a lot of different areas. Greg kind of gave that more credence with passing up throws, Mike talked about him being a more decisive runner. I do think that the running element of it is where he's passing up a lot of these throws. So your eye goes to 91 yards on the ground in a 281 rushing effort. And you say, OK, well, at least he's contributing that way. See how much of a difference he's making for their ground game. And I, and I still think that if he's passing up on throws that are a more efficient way to move the ball down the field, a more efficient way to generate offense, a necessity for him to be able to operate an NFL passing game, especially when a defense really isn't scheming him that hard. You know, there's enough reason to be concerned there. Um, Chase Hill says he looks for run because he doesn't trust his accuracy. Well, I don't think that's true at all. I don't think Malik Willis doubts himself. Like, uh, you know, there, there, a lot of times confidence or lack thereof is brought up about professional athletes. And it's, it's really hard to find a professional athlete who actually truly lacks confidence. These guys are, are, are basically their existence is confidence, right? They have to have a level of ego, a level of self-belief to be able to carry themselves, to perform the way that they need to, to be able, to even be able to go out and do these jobs um, on a regular basis. But I, it's not that he doesn't trust his accuracy and it's not like, it's not the, I mean the accuracy is a product of poor mechanics. So it's not that he doesn't have accuracy concerns. I'm not saying that he is as accurate, nearly as accurate as he needs to be. But the accuracy concerns come from a much more fundamental problem which is his fundamentals themselves, staring down wide receivers as he did on the interception. Uh dipping out of the back of the pocket like he used to in college. He didn't do that against the Bears. He did so against the Vikings, not throwing the ball away, trying too too hard, doing too much for lack of a better term to extend the play when sometimes it's okay to just live to play another down. These are things that can only improve from him playing more. The problem is there's not going to be there's not going to be more opportunities other than preseason for him to play more unless something happens to Ryan Tannehill. So it's almost kind of capping his his progression after Friday if he doesn't play in the regular season because it's like it's, you know, Anthony Richardson is a different case. But I think in the case of Malik, I think in the case of Trey Lance, I think in the case of Anthony Richardson, guys who you don't know a lot about and who need just reps in an NFL offense to see what they can do and what they can't do, I think that for I think that for those three, the reps are critical. Now Lance couldn't get them. The opportunities were lost to him. Richardson will have them right out of the gate. Malik had them forced upon him before he was ready, and it probably did more harm than good. So you know, Friday is critically important for Malik Willis. He's probably going to be on the roster um, one way or the other. I don't know that Levis is going to exceed him for the backup quarterback job in Friday's work alone. Because remember that Levis was not a participant in practice on uh, on Tuesday, did practice today on Wednesday, still working through what appears to be a an injury um, to his to his quad. He's got well, I don't want to say to his quad specifically. He's got a wrap on his left quad, basically. So it would it would connote an injury in that vicinity, right? We don't know specifically what it is that he tweaked or hurt, but he was back at practice. Now it stands to reason that he'll have the opportunity to play on Friday, Friday night at Nissan stadium. Um, right now though, I just don't know that there's anything that he can definitively do to go ahead and take that job. Cloud uh, Cloudhouse entertainment says who is starting Friday? Well, I, it's not a certainty that Levis is going to play even so. You know, it doesn't mean that Levis won't play, but uh, Malik is going to be the starting quarterback, um, you know, barring something different. Again, Levis was not available throughout the course of the week of practice. They're not going to start him necessarily. They'll present him certain situations if he's capable of playing. And if they feel like it's too big a risk, then they won't play him. And Malik will have the opportunity to go uh, for again, maybe Mason Kinsey and all these other things. But, um, you know, I would anticipate Malik. I would almost anticipate Malik getting the bulk of the snaps, even if if Levis does play. Jonathan Caverley says Tannehill should play, while well, his coaching staff doesn't seem to think so. And I'm, you know, I'm just, why? For what? What am I going to get out of what? So, like, explain. I, and and I'm not. I know, I'm. I'm. You know, I know my eyebrows went up like I was going to be dismissive, but I'm. I'm actively trying not to be dismissive. Why should he play in your estimation? Because I feel like, you know, anytime I do see those comments, I I might be quick to dismiss them. And I don't think that's necessarily fair to you guys. Um, but when this is the explanation, then I, you know, you'll understand why I'm a bit more dismissive. To get used to a real game. <laughs> He's going into, what is this? Let me, let me look up how many seasons Ryan Tannehill has been in the NFL um, at this point in time. I'm going to say this is year 12 or 13 to get used to a real game is not a viable explanation. Ryan Tannehill has played at 145 career NFL games. So the idea that he needs a preseason game to get used to the feel of a real game is, of course, nonsensical. That, that you know, So while there might be a logical explanation, um, while there might be a logical explanation, and you may be able to provide a better explanation, that's not a valid argument. Like the idea of getting used to a real game is not relevant for a player who has played in 145 career NFL games, who has been in the playoffs, who has been in the regular season, who has played in a variety of different offenses under a variety of different coordinators and who will not be playing in the scheme that he features to play in in uh, week 1 in New Orleans. So, you may you may present a better argument, but that as an argument is not, you know, that's not a that's not a tenable one. Um uh, Pat Mahomes is playing, it's called knocking off the dust. Yeah, but if Pat Mahomes feels like he needs to knock off the dust, then that's incumbent upon Pat Mahomes. If Ryan Tannehill does not, then Ryan Tannehill doesn't need to. Knocking off the dust, it's not like they forget how to play quarterback. Knocking off the dust is practice. He's been out there at the facility practicing and participating, playing in inter-squad scrimmages, playing with the first-team offense, playing against uh, who the Minnesota defense in, in joint training camp practices. Like, if, if, if training camp is not knocking off the dust – What on earth is one drive in a preseason game going to do? So like this, this logic of, of rust or, or, you know, is, uh, I mean, it's been a while. I know that he's, he's had a, that he missed some time at the end of last year for an ankle surgery, but he got 145 career NFL games that there's not rust. It's not like Deshaun rust is for Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, who didn't play two years of football. Rust is for Calvin Ridley, who has not played in two years of football. Uh, Randall Williams says, so you say preseason isn't a real game, but then you start talking about practice. The irony, correct. Preseason is not a real game. Preseason is practice. Practice and preseason are the same thing. They're replicating the same situations in preseason football games as they are in practice. They're alternating quarterback drives with Levis and Willis in practice the same way that they did in Chicago. If you don't look at the preseason, and I'm not, you know, I maybe, maybe my tone's bad, so forgive me if, if you feel like I'm being condescending, I'm really not trying to be. If you don't look at preseason as an extension of practice, then you're looking at the preseason incorrectly. That's the way the coaching staff use it. That's the way the coaching staff evaluates it. The difference in preseason, and of course, is practice is live tackling and a live pass rush, right? Real pressure, real reps, real open field situations real contact. There is a degree of difference. Why, why, for example, Harold Landry might play. Harold Landry has not physically tackled somebody in over a calendar year. It may be beneficial for Harold Landry to get a few reps and get a, get an open field tackle or two, to make a tackle for loss, to shed a real blocker and things like that for Tannehill. That's not, it's not the same value. It's not the same circumstance. It's not the same situation. It hasn't been a calendar year for Ryan Tannehill. Harold Landry, I don't think, needs to play in the preseason either. He looks just fine, and I'm certain Harold's gonna remember how to tackle. And maybe you should say, maybe you can say because Tannehill can Tannehill can replicate more things to do with his job responsibility in a practice than can Harold Landry. Harold can't make live tackles in a practice. So you may just say for the sake of form, okay, maybe go out there and give it a few. But I don't think that there's real value for veteran players who have been the league long enough to to cite rust and things of that nature completely ignores what it is that they spend their day after day after day doing. Um, I think that uh, I think that there's a lot of uh, I think that there's a lot of different, a lot of different uh, situations to consider. And, you know, it's not, it's not created equal for every NFL team because I know some of you guys are uh, some of you guys are, Citing the example of Andy Reid, and Andy Reid has always done this. Andy Reid has done that with guys like Blaine Bishop, uh, who played for him in Philadelphia. He d- he does that still with Patrick Mahomes. That's fine. That's Andy Reid. Sean Payton does it with Russell Wilson. That's fine. That's Russell Wilson. Um, you know, Sean Payton and Andy Reid have something that Mike Vrabel don't. They do have a Super Bowl, and you can cite that as you please. I do think that they, you know, that the situation for Tennessee um, is unto their own making, and if they don't find value in it. Then I don't understand. Uh, then I don't understand why it is that there's such a there's, like. What is what is the emphasis of winning a drive in the preseason? Like you can do that in practice just fine. You can do that without risking harm to the quarterback. Uh, you're just trying to get them to week one. Now, if they want to be more risk, uh, more cavalier with Mahomes or Watson or these guys, then they're welcome to do so. Uh, Vrabel doesn't feel it necessary with Ryan Tannehill or Derrick Henry. And so they won't. And so week one will be the first time that you'll see them against new Orleans. And it'll probably look the same as if they would have played in the preseason. It'll be a week one result. Week one is weird as shit more than any other week in the NFL calendar. Um, It's a mindset buck. Okay, whatever. Well, the mindset are, are you going to tell me that the Titans as a, as a, as a franchise? So what's the mindset? Explain to me the mindset, specify the mindset. And, and I'd be happy to kind of work through that. I I don't, like, when you guys toss out cliches like this, I, I, I'm willing to engage in a discussion, but you have to give me more specifics. I don't want to, I, like, I think some of the dumbest shit in sports is the cliches that we use. He's got that dog in him, right? It's a, it's a mindset, it's a culture, all these things. And there can be a, a a percentage of meaning, but that's not real analysis. That's just shit people say. It doesn't actually mean anything. So if you want to specify your mindset, But I would say that the mindset of the Tennessee Titans has been the same since Mike Vrabel got here. They're going to run the football. They're going to be nasty on defense. They're going to play action pass, and they're going to set it up off the run. They're going to find chunk plays where the play action pass presents them, and that's the way that the Tennessee Titans are going to play football. They're going to play close games. They're going to make you white knuckle it, and that's probably going to be it. But the idea that a mindset would be established in the preseason, if the mindset needed to be established in the preseason, was it not established last week when they ran for 281 yards? That's the mindset, the physicality. You don't need the damn quarterback out there to do that. <laughs> I just, I just think like that. Johnny, Wright, Tougher than a two-dollar stake. Another useless thing. Like what? It, what does that mean? Two dollars. You know what? You know what I know about two-dollar stakes is that they suck. Now, uh, Brewer, I don't think sucks. I think he's going to be okay at center. But like, what does tougher than a two-dollar stake mean? It doesn't mean anything when Aaron Brewer, who's two hundred eighty pounds, gets picked up Chris jo- by Chris Jones and gets thrown. Or maybe not Chris Jones. Chris Jones apparently is holding out until week eight. But you get my point. All right. That's going to do it. Uh, Well, no, it's not going to do it. We need a progress report on Malik Willis. I'm getting ahead of myself here on uh, the primetime show. No, you've just heard the progress report on Malik Willis. I am right where I need to be. Rising and falling. Stock up, stock down. Whose stock rose? Whose stock fell in sports? We'll talk about it together right after I remind you that the primetime show is made possible by the law offices of Amanda J. Gentry. You want to talk about toughness? Amanda J. and her team are tough when it comes to protecting your constitutional rights. They go above and beyond. Wherever justice demands are the words that they live by. They have practiced in Tennessee family and criminal courts in 35 counties in this great state. Wherever justice demands is something that you know they mean. Find out about all the different ways that they can offer you protection of your constitutional rights at AmandaJGentry.com. Uh, Cordy Jackson says, "Brick by brick." O oh, Ron, slogan, go dogs. Yeah, again, brick by brick. Uh, five star hearts. You know, there's a lot of useless stuff that gets said in football, right? But uh, I, th- I think that you know, if we could just be a little smarter with the analysis instead of just tossing out things like it's a mindset. Well, what mindset? What mindset are you seeking from them that they that they have that they have not shown you? thus far in in practices. Now again, I have I have the privilege or the perspective of seeing practice every day. So maybe I'm, you know, maybe my my disagreement with you comes from or where we might differ on a subject or the gulf between your opinion and my opinion on a certain subject comes from uh comes from uh the idea that I see practice every day and the, and that you guys have only seen preseason games, not every not all of you have been able to attend training camp practices. They've cut down capacity on those things significantly. And a preseason sample sizes is not all that there is to tell about the story. Right. So I, uh, I will try and do a better job of remembering that I have the advantage of seeing a hell of a lot more of them on a day-to-day basis, uh, than, than a lot of you guys do. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue to, uh, we'll continue to, Work through that together. Uh, Is Burt Will Levis' more athletic brother, says Mr. Jones? I would say yes, but we'll keep an eye on the situation. Perhaps we'll put Burt through a uh, a mini combine at some point. Stephen King says the Botox is falling. Time to re-up and have it rising again. No, I think the Botox is still working. You can't tell that I have any wrinkles anytime I try to raise my eyebrows. In fact, hell, I can barely move my eyebrows. Best of my knowledge, that means the tox is strong. Uh, Tafari says, what are your thoughts on the kicker after today? Well, you know, I still don't trust him, but he did have a better day. So you could say stock up on, on Michael Badgley, who had a horrendous day, uh, in his first outing. Now, maybe you want to cut him a little slack and say, all right, first day back with this team. It's been since 2021, since he was last here. Um, you know, for Badgley, I think that, uh, he, his only miss today was from 53, uh, he connected on every other field goal. I think he had 12 total attempts. He was nine of 13 the day previous and had misses from a variety of different distances. So, uh, stock up on the day for the kicker to his credit. Um, But I still don't trust their kicking situation. I don't trust the way that they handle their kicking situation. Frankly, it's been it's been a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, Puka says, "Oh, geez, don't do bo- Botox. Freeze your face." Yeah, that's the point. I, I want to freeze my face. I want this to be frozen until the end of time. I'm a big fan of this right now. Uh, this team's kicker drama is off the charts these first, these past few years says Nika. Yeah. I mean, it's a shit show, right? Like it's, it's uh, and you're haunted by a lot of these ghosts, right? Um, oh, who's the, uh, Greg Joseph in Minnesota has been great for them. Great for the Vikings. Since you let him go. Randy Bullock is the second most accurate kicker that you've had since Vrabel's first year with a healthy Ryan Suckup, Randy was making 85% of his kicks last year. That's as good a percentage as they've had since the first year that Brable was here. Because Lamar says fat Randy sucks, but like a lot of you guys are advocating for Robbie Gold. Uh, Randy had a better field goal kicking percentage than Robbie Gold did last year. Now, I know he had some some critical, uh, critical ki- misses in games decided by three points or less. The Giants game obviously comes to mind. Uh, he had a miss against the Chargers that could have at least allowed them to play for overtime. But uh, yeah, I mean the kicking situation, none, none of it has been trustworthy and they did, they did cost or, or uh, cost cut um, this year and they needed cap space. So Randy was one of the cap casualties that they ultimately ended up making. But again, you go into a season with, uh, with uh, a complete lack of confidence in their kicking situation. And while the kicker did have an improved day, um, you know, I, it just I don't there's a, an inherent lack of trust there but stock up for Titans quarterbacks and their endorsement deals because I got an email from a PR company yesterday telling me all about Will Levis's new endorsement uh deal with a uh, new endorsement deal with uh Hellman's mayonnaise it's funny because Ryan Tannehill apparently also has a mayonnaise deal
3: I want to thank everyone for coming. Today is a very special day. It really is the culmination of years and years of hard work to become the best football player that I could possibly be. And for it to come to this moment is a dream come true. It's not every day that someone offers to compensate you in mayonnaise. I'm proud to officially announce that I've signed a lifetime supply of Hellman's contract. I'd like to thank my mom who introduced me to Hellman's mayonnaise and started my love for the beautiful condiment that it is, as well as my high school lunch lady, Miss Lisa, who knew that extra mayonnaise meant extra mayonnaise. I'll now take any questions.
2: Will, Will, Andreas Reiter, Sports Talk. Uh, You had so much success
3: as a college football player, Uh, iconic moments. Now that you've reached the highest level of the sport, what does this epic signing mean to you? I mean, it, it just means the world to me, honestly. If you're making a coffee, are you going to go mayo macchiato or mayo mocha? <sighs> I haven't tried either, but I would probably think that mayo mocha would be pretty good.
2: Will, does this mean your agent will be getting a percentage of Helms' product?
3: Well, we haven't talked about the specific details of it yet, but I do know that he's a big fan of their new garlic aioli, so there is that. First and foremost, I just wanna say congratulations, Will. This moment is, is just huge. And this deal is unprecedented. What do you think it is that Hellman saw in you to make such an offer? You know, I, I really don't know. Sorry guys, I actually have to head out to practice now. Thank you so much for your time and for joining me on this great day. Take care.
0: Stephen King correctly says there's leaning into it, and then there's this. I don't know that anybody needs a lifetime supply of mayonnaise. Now, I will say, mayonnaise not for everybody. I like mayonnaise. I like mayonnaise better than I like ketchup uh, with French fries. I think that it's uh, it's the way that uh, a lot of people in Europe uh, do it. I like mayonnaise on cheeseburgers. I think that mayonnaise, uh, you know, I like deviled eggs. I am a pro-mayonnaise proponent. I do think it is hilarious that both Ryan Tannehill and Will Levis both have endorsement deals with mayonnaise. One funnier than the other, because of course, Levis with the coffee, he was ducking the mayonnaise questions on draft night when we talked to him. And now he's leaning in and getting that bag. It's pretty funny to see. Uh, That's going to do it for us tonight. Tomorrow, we're going to put a bow on training camp as a whole. We'll talk about which individual has helped themselves the most, who's hurt their stock in making the roster. Uh, Over the course of these last two months, radio show. We are back at it in studio tomorrow from 10 to 1 on 104.5 The Zone. Courtesy says Tannehill is sponsored by who? I want to say it's also Hellman's, Um, but I can't remember. Bert actually sent me that ad a little while ago, and I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't think it's Duke's, but Duke's is obviously the preferred mayonnaise uh, in the uh, southeastern part of the world or a part of the country at any case. Uh, meanwhile, we don't have a mayonnaise endorsement. We would take mayonnaise endorsements from either uh, of the uh, mayonnaise companies if they would be so interested, because I'm pro mayo, just not my coffee. Have a great rest of your evening. Talk to you tomorrow morning on the radio show at 10 a.m.
1: Well, are you surprised to hear that?
3: <laughs> Certainly not. The first year we took it to the limit.